Hi everyone, and welcome to episode 9 of Did You Watch The Race? The F1 podcast that looks at the world of Formula 1 from the dual perspective of both a long-time fan and a relatively new fan to the sport. I'm Jason, and I've been watching F1 for the last 15 years or so. And I'm Colm, and I've been watching the sport for about 4 years now. This week, we'll be reviewing the action from the Baku race, looking ahead to Miami next week, and finishing up with a bit of F pun. So, did you watch the race? I did watch the race, yeah. So, this weekend, with it being a sprint, there was actually a lot more to watch. So, I got watching the qualifying on Friday. I wasn't able to watch the Saturday sprint but I was able to watch the race then on Sunday what about yourself uh, yeah I wasn't available the entire weekend so I kind of watched the highlights from quali and the sprint shootout and the sprint and then I watched the full race uh, on replay as opposed to live but I did watch oh, okay. I watched the whole thing yeah, yeah. Um, it wasn't a wholly eventful race yeah overall the, there wasn't a huge pile of action I think the safety car coming out in that the kind of 11th 12th lap window that really just put paid to any kind of excitement that was going to happen. I was expecting a lot more crashes. Yeah. I know, um, like, because Baku, especially there's, like, the two corners that are just... Well, there was one corner people run wide in the first corner, but then I think it's the second or third corner, or number f- the fifth turn, maybe, where people always come really tight to the wall. Yeah. Um, especially when people are understeering, it's, it's you can always see. And, like, some people did have a few bumps, but nothing... Nothing major this time around, but I was expecting people to full-on crash a bit more during the race. Yeah, absolutely. Like, we obviously saw DeVries clipping the wall, saw Stroll clipping that wall as well, and then... That was it, really, in terms of crashes, wasn't it? Uh, Yeah, I was like, for the race day itself, yeah. For the race day itself, yeah. yeah. Um, I know Sargent had an accident in quali, was it? In Yeah, in the the sprint quali, yeah. And then... um, And obviously, Gasly had an accident on Friday. Yeah. Other than that there, I was actually pretty pretty surprised, especially that they only had one practice. I know they had the sprint and sprint shirt and stuff, but, like, having one practice and especially all the rookies, they all done really well not to go into the wall. Yeah, overall... There was, uh, there was some decent driving from Piastri, especially had a uh, had a pretty solid weekend overall. How did what did you think of the the sprint layout? I'm not sure yet. I'm not really a fan of it yet because it doesn't really make much sense. I get the whole thing about adding more points, and I think they could have kept the same format as the last year. I liked the sprint race last year when they kind of did it intermittently, and they had it impact the race Sunday. Now it seems like a yeah. mini weekend inside of a weekend. It's a bit weird. Yeah, I just find uh, overall I. I don't think the format needed to change that much Mm. you know (laughs) I think practice Friday qualifying Saturday race Sunday is a good tried and tested method it it just seems like they're trying to artificially make it more exciting a bit of drama and it just comes back to has everything we talk about negative about the FIA and Formula 1 management it comes down to money yeah in fairness, I don't know if this is coming from the FIA. As in, like, obviously it's coming no, from the FIA. From... But I mean, what I'm saying is, like, I think the orders are coming from Liberty to be like, we want more Oh, yeah, exactly. Excitement. Yeah. We want more things. So, like, they, they have to kind of come up with the, the answers. And in fairness... That's, they, they basically just want to have a session on the Friday that the, the people will watch. They want people watching for three days rather than two. Yeah, That's yeah. It. And, like, from a marketing point of view, I guess it makes some sort of sense, but... In fairness to them, like, they've done a great job, like, this Liberty I'm talking about, mm. they've done a great job to bring F1 into the modern era. Yeah. Um, like, obviously, that's that's why I'm watching. That's why a lot of our friends are watching. I know you and, like, you and Nisha and, and the guys have obviously been watching it for years and years and love the sport itself. But I wouldn't have been, in, I wouldn't have batted an eye at it before. Yeah. Um, so I think they've done a great job in that terms of, like, out there. And I think this is kind of like the flip of that, kind of like, this is like the double-edged it's sword the, of that. the monkey, the monkey paw kind of... <laughs> Yeah, some of the changes they're going to make are going to be fantastic. Yeah, and then some of the other decisions that they make to make it more popular aren't going to hit as well. And look, look, this year they might try it out. Yeah, probably going to realize it's not going to work. They might change it back next year or ch- or try something new. And I feel like that's fair. Like you need things need to evolve. Like you know. Oh yeah, look so exactly. It's a good effort. 
it's not great but look and I suppose yeah it is still very much on a trial basis the other thing I don't particularly like about it as well is the additional points as in if if it's not at every track so as in Red Bulls they were very strong in Baku they were always going to be very strong here they had eight and seven additional points to pick up because it was at a strong yeah. track of theirs if this was at somewhere that yeah. they weren't as good you know and this this doesn't just apply to Red Bull this applies across the board it, it offers more and points. even to drivers as well yeah, exactly, yeah. Because I think Perez is a very good street. He's very good at street tracks. Yeah. So, like, it's a bit of an advantage for him for this for this race. Like, obviously, he won. I'm not saying that because he won. But, like, he, I think a lot of his wins have come from street tracks. The majority, I think, yeah. Yeah, so, like, he's obviously strong on street tracks. So, he's obviously getting a benefit here to pick up more points on a track that suits him. Exactly, yeah. Back to the race, anyway, I suppose. Yes, it was a bit of a, it's a, bit of a snooze fest. There was, yeah, like you said, isolated bits of entertainment kind of dispersed throughout it yeah for the most part it was a bit yeah once Red Bull got ahead they were gone they were yeah, way yeah, like yeah. especially because obviously Max was there's like obviously Checo's learned Max isn't gonna calm down for anyone so yeah. they were both pushing like crazy and they, they were way ahead of the pack oh they were yeah they were yeah. they were comfortably dropping a second a lap I would say when they if, yeah. if they needed to they could drop a second a lap handily enough and again fair play to Checo I think really well done this weekend because I think this is the first I think he obviously had a race before but I think this is the first time when the team hasn't been involved and he hasn't made any silly mistakes about letting Max buy anything where he's yeah. fully gone toe to toe with Max and come out on top yeah he's de- he's definitely shown up a bit more this year and that's what we said he'd have to do and I would say from the beginning of the season this would have been one of his target tracks you know he, he'd have a few in his mind from the last couple of years that he'd be like right I need to win here here and here if I'm going to have any hope of, of doing yeah. something here oh and the sprint race really helped him out as well yeah obviously yeah that's that's another chunk of points over Max so he's well back into the race now I think there's only like six points between them or seven five, points between them five, five points between them now at the minute yeah so like he's he's really well in there like yeah now look he got very fortunate with the safety car coming out when it did you know like as in Max w- would have been pitting then anyway and yeah it, it, you know it was just that was a weird call from Red Bull to be honest <sighs> yeah because I, I don't know if they knew that De Vries was in the, in the wall well you see because initially when they were showing the shots of De Vries it looks like he would have been able to reverse that car and get out but then obviously when the showed the onboard of it you could see his wheel was gone so maybe Red Bull yeah. weren't sure if there was going to be a safety car or not but yeah it's the first kind of sign of weakness we've seen from the really this year that yeah as a strategy it, doesn't, it, it is weird I think they were trying to manage the, the driver's competition as opposed to uh, the whole race as a whole at that point yeah yeah um, the other thing is they might have thought yeah. the safety car might have came out quicker as well so if the safety car had to have come out say at the time of the incident it, I don't think Max would have lost out that position. Oh, maybe. So it, it basically... Oh, if he called box, box and respecting the, the safety car to be out by the time he got into the pits. Yeah, yeah. Probably. Checo just had the, the gap to it, basically, and that that's how they were able to get yeah. around into the lead. But then once he got into the lead, yeah, he was super strong. Had that little wobble around the 40th lap where he clipped the wall and the team radioed to yeah. him and be like, hey, what happened there? Yeah, he was very hush-hush about that. Because I don't know if the Max's engineers have Jackos on board as well, do they? They would, yeah. There was quite a lot of that towards the end of the race of drivers just seemingly kind of starting to lapse in concentration. So it just it just shows how physically demanding of a track it is. There's like there's a few massive braking zones. There's a lot of uh, a lot of force going through their bodies for the whole race. So I was gonna say, yeah, imagine at the end of that long stretch, yeah. how much like G's that are coming into the body from braking. Assume they'd be pulling at least six G under braking there. Mental. Yeah, uh, th- there was quite a few drivers that got scrappy as the 
as we came up towards the end. Max, overall, it wasn't one of his strongest weekends that we've seen out of him. No, I think he's having a few issues with the car. Like he mentioned it before during the sprint race as well. Yeah. He's having a few. Obviously, sorry, actually, he had the touch with Russell that gouged a hole in his side pod. Yeah. So that was kind of unfortunate. Um, him and Russell had a bit of an argument there at uh, Park Fermi. Yeah, I didn't like that like interaction yeah first of all I, don't, I, I, yeah. I haven't seen the incident I didn't think there was a huge pile in that I thought Russell was a bit brash maybe but like he said he's the one in the slower car he has to be making the risks and it was very much the kind of move Max would have made back in the day anyway. oh 100% yeah so 100%. It's, it's not so much as in, I can understand Max being annoyed at him but I don't know why you had to do it there like that's they know there's cameras all over them I don't th- I don't think Max gives two fucks about cameras being in his face or he does. Um, I think he's shown his colours. <laughs> yeah. Oh, maybe actually, maybe he does. Maybe he likes the drama. Yeah. But like, he's done things like that in the past and he's been super aggressive about it and yeah. he doesn't care what people think. So I don't see why he would care now. That's not a that's not a defence of what he's done. Like, <laughs> like I, do, I do think Russell was in the wrong, but like, I don't think. I, I think it was a racing instant really. And I think if the roles were reversed in that, they would both be saying the exact same things about each other. It, it was just... Oh, 100%. It was... Standard yeah, drivers yeah. responding to contact, really. Yeah, yeah. You messed up my race. I'm angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was still so much pace in that Red Bull, even with that bit of damage. Like with they, the hole in the inside. Yeah, like that would yeah. have been surely costing a lot of time for, for, and he was still able to keep up with Leclerc. Like, yeah, it was madness. Yeah, I wonder how much that issue on the Sunday race was affecting him. I think he was he was having trouble with some of the setups on his car around the diff and the engine braking and balance. So when you're against your teammate in the same car and if you're dealing with that kind of issue throughout the race that's that's a tenth two tenths a lap and that's what can really be the difference between being on their arse and not you know so I'd, I'd be intrigued to see now obviously we won't hear it but I, I assume there'll be quite the debrief in Red Bull around that issue and trying to get it sorted for next week like that there's obviously like with the tenth or two tenths per lap is obviously like going to keep him outside of DRS and then if he doesn't have DRS yeah. no hope against Checo like it's, yeah no look Checo's in was in flying form so Max had, would had to be perfect and he just wasn't yeah in fairness like Checo wasn't perfect either and no. and Max still wasn't able to keep up with him so very that bit was exciting now I'll, I'll admit that for the race them two kind of going toe to toe was pretty exciting obviously nothing much happened in it but I think the kind of the expectation of of Max catching up to Checo was kind of exciting. Yeah. Until it was like the last 10 laps and it's like it's not happening at this stage. He's three seconds behind. Checo's won this cleanly. Yeah, he, I think Max pulled off a bit as well at the end to to go for fastest lap and then close the gap in again. But obviously didn't get it yeah. because of because of Russell Pitton. But I think yeah, if Checo can get a result now in the next kind of couple of races, the fight will very much be on, which hopefully... That does happen because it's very much on. Yeah, it's it's the only chance really we have of a decent a decent title race this year. Yeah, Ferrari had a decent enough weekend. Like they looked a lot better. Leclerc obviously had a great qualification. He got lucky in the sprint race. I think. Like as I said, the, the Ferrari doesn't have the pace in the race. Yeah. I, I think they'll be happy with the pole positions just as a kind of morale booster. You know, I don't think they ever were going to expect to to beat Checo or to beat Red Bull in a in a normal race. So I was looking actually at the rest of the field after Red Bull, and you can see that like between Ferrari, Mercedes, uh, Aston Martin, they're all very well spread out. Like yeah. there wasn't like there was no pairs that were up there. Like it was Leclerc, then Hamilton, I think, or no, it was Leclerc, yeah, Hamilton, Alonso, Sainz. It was it was a good mix. Like it wasn't yeah. just oh yeah that car, then this car, and then that car. The fight for second in the constructors is gonna be gonna be the the main that's bit the, of the real yeah. entire season. <laughs> yeah, Leclerc had a great weekend. Sainz had a bit of a stinker in terms of pure pace. I I thought. Yeah, he would throughout. He the kind weekend, of fell off the radar a bit. 
Yeah, he he was a lot slower than Leclerc throughout the weekend. Like even in on the race, like as in obviously in qualifying, but on the race by the end he was twenty thirty odd seconds off Leclerc, and they were both running the same strategy as well. So it, it just again, it's I think we've we've talked about it before where he just doesn't have that raw pace that Leclerc has or that Max has you know the, yeah but that could come down to car development you know like um, it could be down to, it's, obviously it's track specific as well we obviously know Charles really likes this track yeah. so it's yeah it's just, it's it's not a good look this point of the season you know to be 30 odd seconds so he was almost a second a lap from the safety car on he was almost a second a lap off Leclerc like he could have been having issues with the with his car but like if you look at it, like Sainz is still ahead of him in the championship yeah and this and this is where as I said obviously Sainz is a is a more consistent driver yeah. you could probably say he, he doesn't make as many mistakes as Leclerc might make but if I was a team principal and I could only pick one of them I would be picking Leclerc all day as in you you can iron those things out and you can't iron out yeah it's if you don't have the pace like if you're not physically capable of producing the the pace yes it's the it's the old adage of you can make a fast driver consistent but you can't make a consistent driver fast but yeah for for the start of the season they've had this was a much needed decent team results you know third and fifth is pretty much as good as they can hope for at the moment so I think they'll be happy with that and I think they have upgrades coming in so yeah it's quite close from second down to fourth so Aston Martin are on 85 points Mercedes on 74 and Ferrari are on 63 after this weekend okay so it's a good boost for them uh, like they'll they'll probably need a good bit more yeah, um, yeah. if they want to get second for reference Red Bull are currently on 180 points <laughs> Jesus Christ they, yeah so um, fair play to Aston Martin, like at like before testing or before the first race, like that that wouldn't have been on my radar at all. Because you know all teams kind of promise big and then they kind of under deliver. Um, so yeah, I think just uh, a, they were. It was one of the few times in the last kind of while where I've seen a team so positive about a car out of testing without they didn't show any mental pace during testing was kind of the difference they, they were just like quietly like yeah we really like this car Alonso was saying this car drives really well I can I can control it I can feel it and that's why we've kind of seen yeah. them progressing the way they did so it's it's great It's it's been a great spectacle to include for this year of the season you know do you know what I also think is great for the for the Aston Martin team at the minute is they seem to be really cohesive like the team themselves yeah um, I don't know if you heard over the weekend like the stroll was like oh like I'm not going to bother attacking you like yeah, you've yeah. got this um, they're both very supportive to each other exactly which I didn't think that was going to happen I think I thought genuinely thought when Alonso moved to that team I thought there was going to be a lot of scrapping between the drivers but they seem to have really gotten along I think it's because there's no particular benefit uh, compared to other teams there's no benefit really for them to be fighting against each other when they are just trying to get the team as high up the standards as they can it's not like you know where you have your interesting dynamics as in Sir Mercedes you have Russell trying to use our Hamilton's crown really I suppose and Ferrari you obviously yeah. have Sainz and Leclerc battling to try and get that number one status Aston Martin they both kind of have their roles you know they both have their Lance roles <laughs> I was thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they seem to be running a good ship. The the team overall it seems to be a very positive environment at the moment compared to the Ferraris and Mercedes at the moment. Yeah. But yeah, it was interesting to see that kind of them games coming out from them. It, it, that's that's what Stroll should be doing. You know, like if you think about it, like Alonso's only like well, I say he's only going to be in sport for the next few years. We don't know how long Alonso's staying. Yeah, yeah. But Stroll's best thing he can do is learn as much as he can from Alonso. You know, so if he wants oh, to stick around yeah, for the I next so. five, ten years, you know, being Alonso's friend and learning as much as possible for the next couple of seasons will be way more beneficial than throwing the toys out of the pram and trying to fight him 
mono a mono because he's not, he's not fast enough to do that. So yeah. learning and adapting from one of the best. Yeah, and Vernus I think strolled in very well this weekend. Um, he had some nice overtakes. Um, managed his race well. Yeah, so he started ninth, like and finished. Well, started ninth, so he had a couple of overtakes during the weekend. So, but he, he did well to keep Russell Hank behind him. But uh, I don't particularly. I don't think this is a great track for overtaking or for racing. I think there's been... So this is the, what, seventh race that we've had here. I think it's a track where it's a very binary, all or nothing, great race or a terrible race. And the great races have all been ones where there's just been a massive crash, which, you know, is entertaining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's entertaining in a way, but it's not actually enjoyable. It's not because of the racing, it's because of the the chaos. So I think we really, we really saw that. I'm just looking here at a chart of the positions throughout the race. And from lap 14, there was no changes in the top five. And even if you go, like, there was the only overtake in the top eight from from the safety car on was Hamilton on stroll and the rest of it was the same the whole way through and I doubt there's any overtakes other than there was a couple because people messed up on like pure race um, yeah yeah on pure racing it was only on the straights and because of DRS like other than that I don't think there's any other overtakes so it comes back to this year we obviously have Red Bull who are in amazing form at the top of the, the top of the list but I, I think there is just a fundamental issue with these cars that they can't follow as well as they could last year so whatever changes in regulations they change around the floor and that the front wings has just led to cars that can't follow as well and Baku is a mm. very narrow track so if you can't follow, yeah. you're going to struggle to overtake there. And then they also shortened yeah. the DRS for this year as well, which in theory you could think, you could see was maybe a way of trying to hamper Red Bull. But I think all it did was actually the it's opposite. Also hindered everyone where else. They were already so fast in a straight line that it just basically gave yeah. everyone else 100 metres less to work with. So it, it they, yeah. they basically cut the guts of the good racing from the midfield down at an attempt to swipe Red Bull's ankles and it just really didn't work out. Mercedes had a a bit of a meh weekend, I suppose, for them. Hamilton was obviously yeah, grand. Hamilton along with Max was was very unlucky with the safety car, the timing of it. So I think yeah. he could have. I think anyone pitted before it was unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. I think he could have held on around Alonso. I don't know if he would have held on for the full race, but you you would assume he would have been ahead of science and in and around that third fourth battle with with Alonso and Leclerc. It, look, it's yeah, it's the luck of the draw. They, they pitted and they lost out like obviously it happened to George in Australia before his engine failure you know they, they, they couldn't have seen that really coming so George then obviously getting held up behind Stroll isn't wasn't ideal but that boils down to again what we're saying that the track just really wasn't isn't built for <laughs> this kind of racing for massive cars I think George had some nice overtakes at one point um, obviously had the little scrap with Max uh, yeah I think I still think he was a bit ambitious uh, I don't. I don't blame him for it. Like he needs to fight for those kind of positions, but at the same time, um, other than that, they ha- kind of had a, an okay weekend. Yeah, nothing just, disastrous. Just no, exactly. Yeah, I think I suppose Russell going out in Q two in qualifying probably wasn't in the plan for the weekend. Yeah, I think the sprint format kind of messed with a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think they'll be happy enough again. They're they haven't done any massive upgrades in that car yet, so I think they're very aware, let's say, of of where they are at the moment. So I think yeah, it'll be more Imola's the scheduled date apparently for that upgrade package. So once we see that, hopefully we'll get a bit of an improvement from them. So we move on. We'll talk about midfield. I think for the majority of the midfield, they kind of had um, a rough weekend for the majority of them. Yeah. Especially Alfa Romeo and Alpine. Uh, but other than that, I think McLaren done very well. I was very surprised with how they performed this weekend. Um, I think a lot of people might be. 
Yeah, so they obviously had their new floor upgrade for this weekend. So that clearly helped a lot. And like given the lack of the, the very limited practice running they had, to be able to bolt that on and get so much benefit out of straight away really would lean into that, that that there's a lot of pace left in that car. Them kind of new upgrades to usually take a few practice sessions, a couple of race weekends to get working correctly, you know, get the full setup dialed in with it. So that working straight out of the box will be a massive boost to their season, just the, the morale around the team. If you even watch the race, like Norris was uh, in, he had a really a really good race yeah, this weekend yeah. I think Piastri done quite well as well yeah because considering Ted had mentioned he was really ill with the stomach bug the whole weekend that, did, oh, that he yeah, apparently lost like that. two or three kilos over the course of the week finished yeah, finish 11th and, and have a solid just weekend all around getting into Q3 it, it was a really good showing from them if you even look at the, the kind of the results as they finished like you had obviously had the eight top eight positions were filled by the top eight te- or the top four teams yeah. like no one really has an opportunity to get in there, especially as a backmarker or like, I'm, I'm sorry, midfield team. Um, but then you have like straight away, then it's Lando and then Oscar was like two places behind. So yeah. like Lando scraped some points together and um, Oscar was right there with it as well. So I think they had a really good uh, race this weekend compared to where they were like two two races ago. Yeah. And this wouldn't have been a track I think that they, they would have been expecting to be strong at either. So hopefully come Miami, we might see a bit more out of them again. It'd be nice to see if one of those, either McLaren or Alpine, could start getting in amongst the Aston Martins and the, the Mercedes because I think that would really spice up them battles a bit as well. Yeah, I think as you see their upgrades come through, like I feel like as the other teams make upgrades, they're not going to get that much more pace out of the cars. I think McLaren have so much, like there's obviously really low-hanging fruit there for yeah. them to fix. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well... like. So effectively, this is their car that they intended to start the season with now. It, uh, it, yeah, it okay. is the rough story cool. that I've read that they basically just knew from the get-go they weren't going to have a full-ready car. So this is their, you know, we can kind of start rating McLaren season from now on rather than up to now, if that makes sense. Yeah, they have more upgrades to come and I feel like they will they will improve at a greater rate than other cars will with their, with their upgrades. Yeah, yeah. That's my assumption. And then obviously Yuki had a good weekend as well. He kind of split the two, two McLarens. He came 10th. He got like... Uh, the last point there just managed to sneak in there yeah other than obviously the the sprint race he had the issue with the with clipping the yeah. wall and breaking the tyre but outside of that he's had he had a good weekend I, I would have said like you know getting into Q3 picking up that last point again is is some really solid work from him he's actually having I think he's my standout driver of the year outside of Perez oh, really? Verstappen and Alonso I think he's had a really good year so far yeah. uh, and like to in a stark contrast to De Vries who God had probably one of the worst weekends I've seen having a stinker somebody have in, oh, in F1 yeah. in a long time that was he's having he's having quite a rough season so far like yeah he he's uh he's sitting down at the big table now and he he uh didn't bring his knife and fork <laughs> that way <laughs> it's annoying in one way because it's making it hard to judge how good to know this season is because that car does seem like an absolute pig to drive so is it just a case of yuki is that much better than devries or is devries that much worse than say gasly was last year but i think overall yuki yeah. just seems to be driving much more maturely and I, I, I get the feeling he might have been given a bit of a giddy up from, from Helmut and, and the lads at Red Bull to say, look, there's a seat coming down the line. We need somebody for it. 
if you can show us maturity this year, you'll be you'll be up there for it. You know, really? Okay, maybe, maybe, yeah. And we've because we've seen it throughout his career. He has he has the outright one lap pace. It's just getting oh yeah, getting 100%. the whole package together, doing it on a weekend, and then doing it every weekend. Alpine had also similarly a stinker of a weekend. They were you know poor yeah. in qualifying. At least they finished the race. <laughs> they, yeah, they did. They were poor in qualifying. They were poor in the sprint, and then as in look, Ocon ran in ninth place for the majority of the race, but just purely because he hadn't pitted. You know, there, was, there was no actual pace benefit. Yeah. Him and Hulkenberg yeah. as well. Hulkenberg just fell off a cliff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh, which you know you can understand. They, they were just going. Yeah. They were just going for it. You know, like which. Yeah, yeah. And like it, that could have easily worked out. It was in Baku, was a track that usually throws up a few safety cars. So if they had gotten a safety car around the thirtieth, thirty fortieth lap, they would have been laughing. You know, they would have a lot of ground. Yeah. But unfortunately for them, it didn't happen. But then, obviously, the probably the most notable thing about Alpine's weekend was Ocon's pit stop. Oh shit! Yeah, I forgot about that. That was crazy. I watched the F1 TV uh, stream. I didn't actually hear because I know Dwayne was saying that uh, Ted was going absolutely crazy about it. Yeah. Before it happened, but I only saw it as Ocon pulled into the pits, and the amount of people that were in the pit lane was crazy. Yeah. Like you could see why when you because that's. Like when you were listening to Ted, you you assumed he was overreacting, and I was expecting to see one person walking across, or whatever. But you can completely see why he was talking the way he was. Like that was insanely dangerous, you know. Oh, so the, and it was right up near the top. It wasn't like it was halfway down yeah. the pit lane. It was right up at the front of the pit lane, like where people come in. The pit lane speed is obviously eighty kilometers an hour. So like them coming around that corner is still ridiculously fast. If any of them like got hit, like the front wing is basically a knife moving. Yeah, yeah, at ridiculous oh, speeds. You'd- so chop like, every angle off. cut off like yeah but it's the combination factors in if if Ocon had been higher up there as well like he could have lost out because of that you know he was oh sorry that too yeah no no, no but I said that's there's multifacets too it's a multifaceted issue yeah 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 that it, it's damaging for the people it's damaging for the drivers you know it, it's just such an insane situation to arise at what should be the best organised event you know going so and what did did they say what happened like did the FAA just kind of let some photographers into the paddock prematurely were they trying to get across to see they, yeah I assume they were uh, trying to get across the line yeah, to, or, yeah exactly yeah it was just fucking mental yeah they obviously <laughs> haven't seen any full explanation for what happened but I assume it's one of those where it's kind of the hard mentality where if people see one person going somebody else will go then eventually they couldn't stop them but yeah I really don't know like if Sky were able to know the whole way through like everyone knew Ocon had to pit so yeah so I'm not exactly sure how the chain of command works at that event but I'd assume the FIA are overlooking the local marshals so yeah it it just a complete breakdown in communication yeah I imagine there'll be some rule changes now to kind of manage like to kind of preempt that happening again it's the second that's so dangerous it's the second in as many races of issues of people getting on yeah, the, the Australia people are hopping the fences, so I assume they'll just be coming down harder on the promoters and their own regulations around dealing with people on a live track. With the rest of the field, so, you know, Williams had an alright weekend overall, I suppose, and Haas again, but there's just so little for them to pick up when there's only two extra spots for points, you know, the, the, there's going to be a long spells of barren races for the, for those teams when they can't fight you know beyond that there'll be a lot of infighting from 9th to say 15th every weekend which is good in a way you know we'll have a bit of excitement in that in that window but because of the way the points are skewed as well if we have one race a crazy race this year where you know somebody from them teams gets a podium that's so many points you know as in one third place is worth 15 10th places so you know like 
Yeah. So like, if yeah, if one of them gets a podium, that's pretty much them in third or third last. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So we've been keeping our own little race ranking sheet from the start of the season. So we've been ranking each race off each other that at the end of the year we'll we'll have a, a list of the, the best and the worst. So at the moment we obviously have Australia in first, then Jeddah and Bahrain. Where would you put this race in, do you think? Um to be honest, I can't fully remember Bahrain at this stage, which probably means it was a bit boring. Yeah. This race was also a bit meh from an action point of view. But I think I was like kind of expectantly excited because Jekyll was ahead that Max would catch up. And I'm happy for Checo. Yeah, I think that's um, fair. I think there was a few incidents that I thought was good. So maybe probably put it in third, just behind Jeddah. Yeah, I think Jeddah was a little bit more enjoyable. I felt like there was a more going on. But also, I think I haven't had a four-week gap. Everyone was hoping for a decent race. And then we just got this. So yeah. <laughs> thankfully, yeah. after... This is kind of more like a procession. There's like a parade more. Yeah, like Especially exactly, after yeah. the safety car. After next weekend, thankfully we're back to actual racetracks again. I feel like the season has been so stop-starty so far and Bahrain is the only proper purpose-built track we've been to. So I'm excited to see them on actual racetracks, not on some random street, you know. Because <laughs> there's just so little you can learn about the cars on these type of tracks as, appo- as opposed to on purpose-built circuits. I, in fairness, I actually quite like Baku circuit, especially if you're playing it. Yeah, on F one, I think it's one of my more preferred one. Mm. I think I like the 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 close walls, and it makes it makes it feel faster, especially when you watch the cars go by. But in terms for racing and watching a race, there's kind of nah. like the only place is that long straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously next week we're in Miami for a race. The race is coming thick and fast again at last. Thank God. So it's going to be quite a different challenge, I think, from what we saw in Baku. I think we might see the field close up a little bit here. I don't think Red Bull will have exactly the full advantage that they had, but... I don't think they need it. I think they're fine on what they have. Yeah, yeah. I think we'll see Aston Martin coming back a bit at both Ferrari and Mercedes this weekend as well. I can see Miami suiting them a little bit better than Baku did, just with the, obviously the, the super long straight. So I think yeah. that that will be quite interesting there in that that kind of best of the rest battle. So it's it's not a great track again. It's it's similar kind of to Baku where it's a bit of a it's a it's a narrow windy track. I'm not as you can tell I'm not the biggest fan. So hopefully we'll have something entertaining to talk about out of it next week just a reminder as well the race this weekend is a late one obviously with it being in Miami so we're in uh, Logan Sargent's hometown effectively I think he's from up the road but yes the race will be on I think he's at, from Fort Lauderdale isn't he yeah exactly yeah the race the, sorry so qualifying is on at 8 o'clock on Saturday evening and the race is on at half 7 then on Sunday evening so don't forget that it's on it's usually easier to remember at least the ones that yeah. are on late rather than the ones that are on very early yeah you have, you have longer time to remember yeah. Um, that suits me better. Yeah. So I'm happy. We'll be reviewing that next Wednesday again on the podcast. Yep. So now we're going to move on to our fun section. It's the good old F pun. Back again. So I think this week is animals, is it? Yes. Okay. I'm going to get the easy ones out of the way. Toto Wolf. Boom. Very simple. Christian Hornet. <laughs> Lando Slow Loris. Ah, uh, that's good. It's a bit of a dig as well, isn't it? <laughs> Michael Pygmy Schumacher. Oh, that's much yeah. better. There we go. Mike Kraken. Yeah, that works. Um, Valkyrie Bottas? Oh, Valkyrie, uh, yeah, I feel like um, Valkyrie's an animal. The mythical one, but... I'll take it. Oh, we're idiots. Red Bull. It's not a pun, <laughs> it's just our name. But, uh, Famous sponsors of the podcast. Thanks, Red Bull. Cheers, Red Bull. That's uh, a nice can I have there. Oh, I have one. Alex Albunny. 
Oh, that's actually a pretty good one. George Jack Russell. Yeah, that works. I think Jack Russell, I feel like George would be a much more likeable person if he was called Jack. Yeah. <laughs> ah, have a good one. Nico Hulkenby. Oh, that's a, yeah, Hulkenby. Damn it, why can't I think of these? Daniel Ricard Dog. Ricard Dog? <laughs> Sebastian Vitelephant. <laughs> oh, Vitelephant actually is pretty good. <laughs> okay, obviously, clearly, Jason and I uh, aren't particularly... Uh, Good at the puns. <laughs> We're both idiots, and how. basically. And how. Uh, so we have Gemma. She's not able to be here today, but she has sent us some of the puns that she's prepared earlier. So we have Land Dog Norris, Daniel Ricardo, Fernanaconda. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. Fernanaconda Alonso. That's a, that's a bit of a uh, mouthful. Silgio Perez. <laughs> Valterrier Bala. I always forget that oh, there's types of dogs. Nick DeFrisian. Oh. Why did I not think of that? Oh, these always just make me so annoyed. <laughs> I'm so stupid. Yeah. Chick DeFries is another one she had. Uh. Gunter Steiner. <laughs> oh, yeah. She also has to- She also has Toto yeah. Wolf and George Jack Russell. I feel like everyone's going to have Toto oh, Wolf. Yeah. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. That one's... That one's uh, very high key. No, no yeah, one yeah. that. Sorry, I've just actually gone into the listeners' um, submissions. And, yep, yeah, the first two are... Total Wolf. <laughs> red. Oh, Red Bulldog. Oh, oh that's a good one. Oh, yeah. Obviously, I, I was trying to Red Bulldog. Red Bulldog. Someone's put in Fermula. Fermula one. Like, fur. Yeah, that works. I think that's fair. I know. I, I was thinking more like a mule. Oh, Formule one. Yeah. I think so. Bark Fermi. That's a pretty good one. Yeah. <laughs> Spaniel Ricardo. <laughs> Max Verstappen Turtle. Oh, Ma- Snappin Turtle, I assume. Max for snapping. Oh, sorry, yes. <laughs> uh, uh, we also just had one from Nicole in there saying, Charles Lecluck. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So that'll be all from us this week, folks. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please be sure to give us a follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen. It really helps us if you can leave a review there and make sure to tell your friends and family to give us a listen. We're also on Instagram at Did You Watch The Race, all one word. And while you're there, be sure to check out Coley Illustrations. Big thank you to her for all the work that she does. Next week, we're going to be reviewing the Miami GP and we'll have F-Pun as it makes another return. So thanks for listening. I've been Colm. I've been Jason. And we'll talk to you next next Wednesday.